0: Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those J and Silent Bob type pictures, man. And I'm breaking the silence to tell you that you're listening to the Buff and the Blazer podcast with Drew and El Tato. Enjoy the show, kids. Hey, El Tato. What's going on?
1: We got a podcast, The Buff and the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more?
0: You can check us out on our website, thebuffandtheblazer.com. Drew over there writes a article that goes along with every single episode.
1: You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there.
0: Get those clicks, people.
2: The Buff and the Blazer.
1: Welcome to episode 64 of the Buff and the Blazer podcast, the show where we break down, discuss movies, old movies, new movies, everything in between. I'm Drew, and as always, I'm here with my good buddy, Mr. L
0: Tato. What's up, man? What's up, dude? How's it going?
1: You know, it's uh, warming up a little bit so we can go outside and enjoy the sunshine.
0: Weed Come- season, man. The weeds are coming. Yeah. Along with the bugs, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Got to keep the bugs away. But yeah, so we got, um, we're got we continuing our little uh, Oscar preview, I think, this week with some of the uh, Best Picture nominees. And on this episode, we're going to be discussing Minari, directed by Lee Isaac Chung. And this is one you and I both paid for because it's not streaming yet. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. So let's just jump right in, man. What did you think of Lee Isaac Chung's Minari?
0: So it's a good movie. It's really well made. It's really well acted. It was really boring. (laughs) It was really kind of a slog to get through. It never really went anywhere. And I totally get, like, the story it's trying to tell. Like the, what would it be? Like the darker side of the American dream where things don't go exactly as, you know, they're advertised, move to the land of opportunity and, you know, put your hard work in and you'll get ahead kind of bullshit. American mythology that <laughs> that we've been fed our whole lives. So I appreciate the messaging and I appreciate the kind of uh the immigrant standpoint of this movie and how it really highlights the the struggles of immigrant families. This is in the 80s, right?
1: Yeah, this film takes place in the 80s.
0: Yeah. So I get all of it and I can uh acknowledge the art artistry of the filmmaking and and like the the messaging, but it wasn't very fun to watch. <laughs> Nothing really ever happened climax wise the story was really just kind of straight flat line you know no not much up and down yeah and uh it was hard to watch hard to get through the whole thing yeah i, I hear kept you. hoping there would be like some a24 madness where there's like a you know a serial killer loose <laughs> so much... on their property or yeah. something like that but right. it never got there <laughs> <laughs> what about you man uh
1: You know, you and I have a lot of the same tastes uh, with certain things. And um, I echo a lot of what you said. So it is an A24 film. And the interesting thing, too, is I don't know if you you saw this anywhere, but it is a semi-autobiographical film. Okay. So it's based off of sort of Lee Isaac Chung's history, I guess, as an immigrant, part of an immigrant family in the 80s. So he did kind of, the film is kind of, uh, he identifies, I guess, a little bit with the character of David.
0: All right, that's what I was going to ask. So he's the young Yeah, so the he's young the young boy. boy.
1: But even so, like, he distanced the story a little bit from himself. Uh, not every character is, like, exactly how his family was made up or whatnot. But besides that, so anyway, it's an A24 film. It's getting massive hype. I think it has, like, a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes with, like, 200-plus reviews. So my expectations were pretty high. And I'm torn a bit because, like you, the story, I really appreciate the story they're telling. And... I appreciate how intimate the story is in this film, how you really get to dive into the family dynamics and really get to know each character and understand what they're kind of about and their motivations and stuff like that. It's well shot. It's beautifully crafted. It's well directed. But like you, it was a bit of a slog to try and get through. It was a little slow for me. Not the most enjoyable film, while there, there were some nice light moments. couple, yeah. And I think, for me anyway, David was, like, my favorite character in the whole film. All the way. Um, so he really, like, he kept me sort of engaged t- to a degree because I just enjoyed his character so much. But, yeah, it, I, it was a little hard for me to get through, too, just because, like, when I compare this film to Nomadland, Nomadland had some... Some, like, visual things, some, this, like, documentary feel where you're able to travel and see things and stuff, and it gets a little bit interesting with that story. So I was engaged with something like that, but with this, it's very much, like, a very real, real-world story. It, it involves this family and their particular circumstances. So, yeah, at times, I, I found it hard to to stay engaged just because I was a little bored. But it, it does heat up at the end a little bit, literally. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm here all night. But yeah, I do appreciate this story, though. I I like this style of filmmaking where we can spend time with characters, but I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of something exciting, like plot The
0: A24-ness?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a a lot of the A24 films that we've done have been pretty... There's there's something that twists in the film that makes it completely nuts.
0: More thrilling.
1: Yeah, but they do have those very, like, sort of mundane storylines, I guess. Um,
0: okay. I don't think I've seen those. So let's run it down. What have we done? Hereditary. Hereditary. Midsummer, Uncut gems.
1: Uncut gems. and Anything like just, else? I can't remember off the top of my head. But, like, let's just take those three, for example, right? Those three are very – they have these very sort of key elements to them that make them just off-the-wall stories yeah. sort of in their own way. This one I feel is a lot more grounded and it's a lot more real world, even though those films are, there's real world elements into them. I just, it was so real world to me that there were times where I, it was really hard to get through. And I don't know if I would have how much rewatch value this film has for me
0: personally. I'm not watching it again.
1: (laughs) But like I said, as someone that appreciates filmmaking and the process, I thought, I mean, it doesn't get much better than how this, how well this film was made. So I really appreciate that.
0: I was thinking the Grandma was going to be, like, the horror element of the story. <laughs> For some reason, I thought there was, like, a horror element the whole time, and it, like, never showed up.
2: <laughs> oh, shit.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, let's dive into a little bit of the story. We won't go too heavy because I think it's still pretty much a new release, and it's not streaming anywhere, so... I don't know. You think we can navigate this without uh, too many spoilers?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not much. Nothing much happens <laughs> in the movie from a spoiler standpoint. So, but yeah, we'll we won't give everything away, I guess. Okay. So let me
1: let's start off with this first. In term I'm going to ask like a more general question, I guess. In terms of the overall story and plotline, what did you enjoy most about this story? Um, or if that's too too broad of a question, <laughs> like what element? stuck out to you as a strength before we start kind of talking about things we didn't connect with as much.
0: I guess the, as a recurring theme on here, but kind of like the, the rural juxtaposed with the city life. Yeah. And the struggle that causes particularly between the husband and wife in this story. Yeah. I had to, you know, poke out my favorite element of the plot. It would be that kind of push pull, The wife wants to go to the city, and the husband wants to make his way out on the land. You know, kind of that very honorable kind of success story. Yeah. I guess. What about you?
1: For me, I really liked how well these characters were fleshed out. So we spent so much time with them individually, together. And I think, was the movie under two hours or was it right at two hours it was like right around two so regardless though some films can't even develop characters in three hours (laughs) so i thought lee isaac chung did a great job of making sure that we knew about the nuts and bolts of what made some of these characters tick like so you mentioned and i know i'm jumping ahead a little bit but i think it's kind of one and the same since the story is about the family and the characters but like you get the idea of jacob and how he's really gung-ho about, like, he wants to build something for his family. He's very tied to this American ideal, like the, the American dream, and wants to build something uh, for his family so that they can be, you know, essentially self-sustained. And they end up moving from California, right, to Arkansas? Yeah. I guess that's in the story. For a
0: big chunk of land. Yeah. And then,
1: like, on the flip side of things, Monica, played by Yeri Han, she's, like, more of the realist. She's more concerned with... How feasible is this? Like, this seems ridiculous. We just uprooted from California so you could build a farm in Arkansas. (laughs) And we're living in this, like, trailer home. (laughs) So, I mean, a lot of that stuff is really, speaks to a lot of people, I think, on a basic human level. Like, so we're able to kind of see things in each of these characters that we can connect with. And so for me, anyway, I thought the director did a really good job of conveying sort of their motivations, but also keeping it, grounded enough to where a wide variety of people will be able to connect with any of these characters.
0: And I think that's the strength of any good movie, really. I kind of like the interesting dynamic of the wife going having the more conservative outlook on things like we got jobs, let's just freaking work our jobs and make do. Yeah. In in a place where we have, you know, a social life and stuff. Right. And while uh Jacob has the much more like ambitious. Yes. Want to get out there and he's not content with just sexing,
2: <laughs> sexing chicks.
0: chick chickens or chicks, <laughs> and he wants to you know make it big. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's probably my favorite part of the story.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And then the other good thing I really appreciated is we get to kind of see things from the perspective of the kids too at points. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the best parts of the film are David's relationship to his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole sort of relationship they have, those were the most enjoyable parts of the film for me and the story. And I loved just how mischievous David could be. Like, he's playful, though. He's like a, a playful character, and he's, <laughs> he's like a bit of a jokester. And some of my yeah. favorite scenes he, he was in.
0: As the kid, like the whole movie, you're trying to figure out if he's like totally tormented and sad or if he's just like a little boy yeah. wanting to have fun and play pranks and stuff.
1: Yeah. Or he's just bored.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think. I don't know. I like how they they really highlight how difficult it is for the family to kind of integrate with the the little country ass town that they yeah live in and kind of the challenges with that. And like, you know what I found kind of interesting is how they had the more, I guess you would say racist kind of elements of the movie all play out through the little kids. Yeah. There was never like, you know, Jacob being stopped by a, by a pickup truck of good old boys and, and <laughs> have, you know, them yelling a yeah. bunch of racial slurs at him. It was always played out between the kids and very innocent. Like that's a
1: lot more effective too. Yeah, because, it was I mean, interesting. It doesn't matter who you are, that's going to happen at that age because kids don't have filters. Yeah. So it's yeah, I I'm glad you 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 mentioned that because that's I thought was another really effective thing about how Chung decided to tell this story.
0: Yeah, it's it's not very in your face with the the cultural change or the differences. Right. It's very subtle, right? And it's and it, it doesn't go the other way too where like uh the parents could be really forcing their kids to try and be American and like maybe not not be speaking Korean in the house or not eating Korean foods and stuff like yeah. that. It didn't go that way either, so it's, that, that was pretty well executed, I think.
1: yeah, and I thought that was well navigated too because there is a bit of an element there too, where it does kind of raise this question of you know, your Korean background versus your this new American identity and what takes precedent? if there is one over the other and how do they deal with that? You definitely see like with, with Jacob, he's, he seems to be more into like adopting some of that American way of, of thinking. And he even has these lines, but not
0: the he, religion side,
1: not the religion side, <laughs> but like he, he has that line, something about where he's like, you don't, you can't trust like a, a Korean in the city or something like that. When he's talking about the, he's trying to sell his, his produce to one, of yeah. the, one of the distributor or one of the stores in the city. And then Monica seems to be a lot more at home, I think, with her background and tradition. And like not that Jacob isn't, but he seems to be more open to the idea of adopting more of this like American way of of doing things, it seemed to me.
0: And he you can tell he's struggling with that because in the beginning when he's like pointing out to his son where they're gonna find water and using their brains. Yeah, <laughs> and he said like, these stupid Americans believe all this nonsense yeah. with a freaking magic stick and shit. I thought that was really funny.
1: Yeah, so I I really like that. I, and like you said, they don't go one way or the other. It's just kind of it's there and it's it's a question. But um, yeah, and what what's up with that? So I've never heard of that. When you go the around stick trick? with a stick trying to find water,
0: I've never heard of it in terms of like uh, finding a, a well location. But I have seen. Underground utilities dudes, uh-huh. like dudes that work in water and sewer. Yeah, do this like uh, they put two metal rods uh-huh. in their hand that like swing freely, and then they walk around and supposedly when the rods cross each other, yeah, they're walking over a water line. So that's how they know where to pothole and dig. I was on an infrastructure really? job once, yeah, where they were redoing this entire community all the sewer and water. Yeah. And they were like decommissioning all the old septic tanks. And all the underground utilities guys were all the all the workers, right? Yeah. The ones that were were tasked with going to find the potholing, finding all the utilities that they're gonna dig up and stuff. Yeah. A lot of them did this and they actually I forget what they called them, but they they like had tools <laughs> for this. And it was like a little you know, like inch diameter pipe with another really small, like quarter inch diameter steel pipe with a 90 degree angle on it that goes into the handle and they would walk around. And when the two pipes would cross, the two little bars would cross each other, they would start digging right there. Like they did it all the time.
1: That is nuts.
0: And I I was paying attention and it was like hit or miss. Like it worked sometimes and sometimes it didn't.
1: That's crazy. I just thought it was some crazy
0: superstitious thing. But this thing that they're doing on the movie is different than what I was talking about. Yeah,
1: cuz in the movie they essentially have like a wishbone shaped
0: looking stick. Stick. Yeah, that that, they that ends with. up pointing vertically at the ground. The stuff I'm talking about is dudes the the poles crossing horizontally, it's different. Weird. Yeah. What's they call them like w- widget sticks or something like that. Did they say in the I don't know. I can't remember. No, I'm talking about the the all the utility guys that oh, was oh. like widget sticks or something.
1: Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, that that was crazy. But yeah, side note. So yeah, th- like I said, the story, I loved how intimate and personal the story is, how it was portrayed. Let's talk a little bit about where the story leads and where it ultimately lands. So you have like Jacob who has these goals and sort of this, he wants this, this to pay off his American dream. And he, he has all this. And then it ends at a point where, the feasibility of all that it doesn't really doesn't really turn out the way he expects and how anyone expects.
0: But it's not all sad, right? No, Be- because they still got their chick sexing jobs. <laughs> yeah, they're basically right where they started.
1: Right. So in terms of how the story starts and where it ends, is that because you mentioned earlier that this, <laughs> it doesn't really go
0: anywhere to you in in your opinion? Um, yeah. So is it's that just about the struggle?
1: For you it's it's kind of a circular thing going on.
0: Yeah, and it, and like with the messaging of the movie, I get why it's circular. Okay. Right? There's so many rags to riches stories in the in America, but for every one of those there's 50 of these. Yeah. So that's the point they're trying to make? Right. So that's why I get where it like I t- like I said at the beginning, I totally understand Mm-hmm. everything and i get why people are hailing it as so good. Yeah. It just wasn't very entertaining.
2: Yeah. That's
1: the best way to to say it, i think. And like you said, i would also agree that the story is with the family itself because there there is sort of this uh this arc that the family goes on and at one point things seem pretty dire for them and I think once you get towards the end of the film, there's a little bit of a resolution there, and like you said, it's not all ha- it's not all sad, and it's not entirely like it it skirts this nice medium of being like right in the middle. It's not too too depressing in one way, and it's not too like gleaming happy at, on the other side of, side of things. So
0: yeah, and it plays a lot on risk reward. So yeah. like the perceived risk that Jacob is taking with their money. And all this hard work. What I think Monica represents is her vision of, like, the reward for the risks you taking aren't worth it. Yeah. And that, in and it, in it of itself, it causes this conflict between them, which trickles down to cause stress on the entire family. Right. So it, it was very clever in, in that respect and how it's all weaved together with the, the central kind of argument of going for it or just taking the safe route yeah but like i said before the risk of everything jacob's doing if it would have worked i think it would have been the right move yeah you?
1: i think so too and i think there's a point there where he was on the cusp of it taking off and
0: (laughs) but i i can't help but think like the margins the profit margins (laughs) yeah like he did he never take into that account because like With agriculture, I mean, produce is so cheap. You go to the store, like, produce is so cheap to buy. And I think it was in the 80s. I don't think a banana was 17 bucks (laughs) in the 80s, right? But, like, farming strikes me as one of those really bad elements of the American dream. Like, one of those things that was sold to people as a way to make a living that isn't profitable Until you're at, like, ridiculous amounts of units. Yeah. Like, giant fields of corn, you know? Yeah. And whether it's the immigrant story, like this, or it's the, you know, like, the promotion of getting people to move west under the Homesteader Act and stuff, and really lying about how much water is there and how much much profit people can make off farming. Yeah. You know, because that was, like, a really big shitty thing that America did, so... I don't know there's a <laughs> lot of like cool subtext to this movie that probably a lot of people wouldn't even understand,
2: yeah,
1: well, that's the other thing too that's kind of refreshing about the story is that they don't hit you over the head with it. no, it's there because it's there, it's always there, especially with this you know with being an immigrant family. but I like how it's naturally part of this story because it has to be yeah so i I thought he navigated it as well as you could probably do without trying to have a ma- massive agenda or anything. He like to me it just seemed like he this was a story he wanted to tell.
0: I'm noticing a theme in all the movies this year that are nominated for best picture. <laughs> and like all of them kind of highlight the the shitty <laughs> behavior of the American either mythology mm-hmm. or the government or the <laughs> law enforcement, right? With yeah. like Nomadland, Judas and the Black Messiah, this yeah. movie this one is pure on the mythology, right? Yeah. It pure, purely attacks the <laughs> the American dream myth.
1: Yeah. Like, when pieced together, there's definitely uh, <laughs> a narrative there.
0: So take note. Make a movie that talks shit about America in a really <laughs> clever way, and you'll get an Oscar nod. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's see uh, the story about... Uh, Superman renouncing his uh, US citizenship.
0: Yeah. Isn't isn't there like a full-blown alternate universe of where Superman grew up in Russia? Yes. Isn't there like a whole series of comics? It's
1: a it's a one-shot, it's a graphic novel, but yeah, it's called um Red Sun. Okay. And he instead of crashing in rural America, he crashes in Russia during the Cold War. Nice. <laughs> so he has like this whole red suit with the you know, all the the baggage of of that story so it's
0: <laughs> i was on a job once and this dude showed up i'd never worked with him before and he had like a superman with the hammer and sickle yep and that's there. on his chest yeah and he was wearing that t-shirt at the like right the first day and i was like <laughs> you're real into communism huh <laughs> and he was like no 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 this is like a superman <laughs> thing and i was like oh
1: you're real into communism <laughs>
0: yeah i was like you're fucking putting He's it like, out there that you're a commie huh?" And- yeah commie represent <laughs> It was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we digress. We digress. <laughs> so, yeah, let's jump into a, a bit of the characters here now, even though we kind of touched upon them a, a little bit already. I got to start with David, man, because David was, like, I think the best part of this film for me. <laughs> I just love how that that actor, Alan S. Kim, I don't even know how old this kid is, but he, he played that role so well, and he's like... I just love how free spirited he is. He comes across, how playful he is. And my favorite one of my favorite moments in the film is when, when he pees in grandma's uh, soup bowl and <laughs> tricks her. Yeah. She asks for Mountain Dew. She asks for Mountain Dew, uh, mountain water, <laughs> as they call it in the movie. And uh, she takes a little sip of his pee and he like runs out of the house knowing what he did. And she's like, You little bastard, <laughs> get back over here.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good.
1: Probably one of my favorite moments in the film, but yeah, what did you think of the character of David? And apparently, this is like Lee Isaac Chung, sort of a distant view of like him from the '80s.
0: Yeah, he, he, you, it really illustrates the kind of uh, American versus Korean kind of dynamic in this movie. And the kid's seven years old, so what? He's a hell of an actor. Yeah, at seven it highlighted the most cuz there's like that points when he's like oh grandma smells like korean food or yeah you're not a normal grandma normal grandmas bake cookies and they don't swear and <laughs> yeah they don't and watch then wrestling. he's like you know trying to make friends at the little church gatherings and stuff so yeah it's very relatable like even for kids that just like moved around maybe without you know i can't relate to the racial aspect of it but i moved around a bunch as a little kid so even the kind of fitting in with new people and yeah. new surrounding stuff mhm i thought was really kind of a cool a cool element to the movie he was my favorite for sure
1: yeah and i think another thing that's pretty accurate at least from my perspective is there's this generational thing too so it's like like taking so so my family for for example, so my family's from Guam and my parents neither of them speak Chamorro which is like the native language, but both sides of their parents spoke it fluently. But growing up as kids, they were sort of Guam's like an American territory. They were almost like, you know, told they were they were told not to to speak Chamorro because they wanted, you know, to to instill that sort of English-American, you know, thing into my parents. So that's why they don't speak the language. It's sort of – it was discouraged at the time. Yeah, And then as a result, I mean, I know nothing. So it's – it kind of trickles down. But it becomes a sort of generational thing. But what's interesting is you get that a little bit with the kids here because they do speak English fluently. But like you mentioned earlier, they're still speaking Korean in the house. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, But I know when – you talk to a lot of like second, third generation immigrant families or, you know, families like with similar backgrounds. A lot of times you'll hear that, you know, they were encouraged not to speak English. Yeah. I mean, not to speak uh, their native language and encouraged to fully adopt English. But it seems like that's kind of changing now. There seems to be a bit more of like a resurgence of native identity and, and really sort of, you know, carrying that banner, which is kind of inspiring at times.
0: So let me ask you a question, since this is really a cool topic, and you have kind of direct relatability to this story. Did your family let go of the food traditions, or just the language? Just the language.
1: So, like, because that's kind
0: of those are kind of like the two main points, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So my mom, you know, she she'll cook a lot of like traditional foods, and like to this day, my we like they like certain. You know, American Foods, like, I love a hamburger just like anyone else. I love pizza. It's my favorite. But my parents who, you know, the previous generation, like, my dad, for example, if he has hamburgers more than, like, one or two days in a row or, like, you know, anything else not from Guam, like, he'll go nuts. Oh, that's that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, he'll go nuts. It's like he needs to have something there, something familiar, at least, from, like,
0: his background. Yeah. And so... Yeah,
1: I can totally identify with, with some things here.
0: That's really cool.
1: And I thought he did a really good job of that.
0: Well, I did grow out your Guam Boonie peppers <laughs> from Guam that yeah. you gave me. And holy shit, they are hot. <laughs> holy shit, they are hot. Yeah,
1: definitely not the best peppers to just bite into.
0: Dude, I ate a whole one and like almost had a heart attack. <laughs> almost fainted.
1: Yeah. Brutal. Ugh. Yeah, they're little uh, firecrackers, those things. But, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's go down to the list here a little bit. What did you think of uh, – I mean, let's get the kids out of the way, though. Let's. What did you think about Anne, Noel Cho?
0: I thought she really mirrored her mother's mentality. Totally. Of kind of just, like, straight business, do what you have to do, and that's the end of it. Yeah. And I thought she was really good, too, because she kind of was not as front and center as David was. Right. But you could tell she was going through all the same type of things, too. Yeah. And she's like has that older kid vibe to where she's like slightly more responsible. Yeah. You know, kind of taking care of her little brother, even though she's probably like, what, 10? Yeah. Or so age wise. I thought she did a really good job.
1: Yeah, I loved her. She's like she's again like she gets the level headed thing from her mom. And at one point she's even like sitting down with her mom and she's like, are you all right? Even checking in on her mom and her dad, because she like to me as as someone that young in the story, she has a really clear like ability from what I was watching like to kind of gauge the the temperature of things that are going on, and yeah, I thought she did a great job. And then we got to talk about grandmother, and yeah. I, she's billed as Sunja, but yeah, she's played by Yu Yoo Jung Yoon. and I loved her performance. Like she was just. She was on another level, I think, from everyone else in this film. She was kind of... She had this, like... She's probably one of the more lively characters in this movie.
0: Yeah, constantly talking shit. (laughs) I was kind of wanting her to be, like, drunk and smoking a cigarette, like, the entire movie, because she kind of had that that attitude. Yeah. But, yeah, she was pretty entertaining, although I was kind of disappointed, because I thought her character was going to be, like... uh, major conflict pivot point in oh, the movie, okay. but she really wasn't.
1: No, but I do feel like she plays the role of like, what's interesting is she kind of her her being there with them in the beginning is sort of a, a topic that kind of puts Jacob and uh, Monica at odds at times. It's yeah. like, but then towards the end of the film, it's almost like she's sort of this mechanism that brings them together in a weird way. And it kind of brings me back to the title of the film, Minari. And I I guess that's where the film ends, right? That scene where...
0: Yeah, they're picking all the little Minari plants that she planted down by the creek that are thriving and doing great. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I think there's definitely something there where she's like, she is sort of a linchpin in terms of the family dynamic, like where it starts and then where it ends, in my opinion anyway. I don't know if, if you've felt like that at all.
0: I did expect it to be, like I said, a much more of a conflict point of the movie. Like, I do get, but it never, I never got the sense that like Jacob was furious that she was there. Right. It was just like another piece of the puzzle for him. It's like, all right, if the parents, if the mom is here, then maybe they'll let me go on with my <laughs> wacky ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a little while. It's like buying him time.
1: I got that too. Like he's like But yeah. I was
0: expecting it to be one of those things where it's like, I'm fucking leaving unless your mom leaves, you know? Like oh, one of those okay. yeah, types of yeah, stories.
1: Yeah. So maybe yeah, maybe I phrased it wrong. There's maybe a little bit of a tension there, but it never gets to the point of like being a massive uh like splitting mechanism.
0: Yeah, and on that same note I thought it was gonna be one for like the horror angle, I thought she was gonna start like terrorizing <laughs> David. Like uh like, Butter's grandmother terrorizes him on South Park in that bully episode. Oh, but then it, and then I kind of realized it wasn't going to go that route, but it really softened. Like, after, yeah. after he makes her drink his piss, <laughs> she kind of, like, acknowledges how good of a prank it was. Yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah, you got me, you know? And then they become, like, really close after that, which is kind of sweet.
1: Yeah, it is. She's kind of like
0: the cool grandma, I guess. She ends up
1: becoming... Uh... I like how how David really wants her to be like the old granny that makes cookies and and doesn't swear and stuff but I thought her character So was
0: I so. got the sense that he had meeting her for the first time cuz he's younger, right? He's yeah. supposed to be like what, 4 or 5?
1: Yeah, something like that.
0: You know, just like after toddler age or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh I what I want to know is where did he get the ideas of what a regular grandma is supposed to be is that like the American thing because she comments on it yeah you know and I kind of wondered that myself
1: and my only answer to that is if he was around watching like American television and stuff reading books for even like a year or two especially in kids stories you know there's like very much this idea of what a grandma is
0: yeah I didn't have no grandmas <laughs> so I didn't I didn't get any of that social dynamic growing up yeah it's uh
1: <laughs> I thought she she really gave this film, you know, some life, definitely. And then I think where the story's focused on for the most part is Monica and Jacob, who we touched upon a, a bit. But I wanted to ask you first about, I think this is, is this Daryl Cox? No, it's not Daryl Cox. The actor that plays uh, his field hand. Oh, uh, Will Patton? Character. Yeah, Will Patton, but the his character's name. Paul? Paul, that's right. There you go.
0: Yeah. Will Patton. What did you think of him? Creepy. <laughs> like, very well-to-do, well-meaning guy, but nothing freaks me out more than, like, uh, <laughs> people, wild, wild Christian religious folk. People walking down the street carrying crosses? Speaking in tongues, <laughs> you know, performing the labors and carrying the cross down the street mm-hmm. every Sunday. Like, nothing freaks me out more than those, <laughs> that sect of people. You know, yeah, and, like, yeah. blessing everything. And, like, he did a really good job in that role. Yeah. And I was kind of, when he first came into the the role, into the movie, I was expecting him to be a conflict point, too.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, for
0: him to be doing something nefarious. Mm-hmm. But that didn't get there, either.
1: Yeah, you were expecting, like, a Minari
0: thriller, huh? I was expecting, like, <laughs> Midsummer, dude. yeah because it was like oh it's A24 the the music in the trailer is very like weird and kind of creepy it's it like oh, and they're not vibes. giving away any of the horror yeah. you know like i i totally thought it was a <laughs> horror movie man
1: yeah this is as far away from horror as you could get yeah but yeah i thought his performance in that role as Paul i, I loved it and
0: uh yeah it's really really good performance it was
1: interesting like he's this like you said the super intense Christian dude but like at the same time he has this like genuine connection with Jacob and i like their relationship anytime they're on screen together i like their dynamic when they're in the yeah. fields and stuff that and i like his
0: general positivity about yeah that's a a good way of you know about it too. the farm yeah even when things cuz you feel go- like David or Jacob would have given up way earlier Yeah. if not for Paul
1: right So, yeah, he was an interesting character to add into this bunch. And I'm wondering, I'm curious to know if that was something from this autobiographical thing, too. Like, if there was a character like that.
0: And I just love the way Jacob looks at him when he's going through all of his weird little religious moments. Yeah. When he's, like, speaking in tongues and shit. (laughs) He's just got this look on his face like, you fucking crazy?
1: Yeah, I love the moment where he's trying to hand Paul a cigarette. And then he's like, "Oh no 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 no!" And then he's like, "Help me, Jesus!" Yeah. (laughs) Then he's like, "You crazy man!" Yeah. (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah. Good times. And we haven't talked about him directly, but Jacob. Yeah. How do you say his last name? Stephen Yoon. Stephen Yoon. Yeah. He was really good. Yeah. He. I can totally uh, see why he got a uh, nod uh, nomination.
1: Yeah, for sure. Was he the only one that got an uh, a nomination?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh Monica, Yuri Han.
1: Yeah, Monica even
0: if they both got nods cuz they were both really good. And Monica in particular, she's got some pretty heavy emotional scenes. She I love yeah. how she played that like really strong trying to be the strong woman and trying to keep it together all right. the time but on the verge of just like losing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like when they have their Conversation Outside the, the potential produce buyer that they meet with in yeah. uh, whatever town that is. I can't remember where they go. Right. But when she like cries, that tear comes down her face and she wipes it off really quick. Yeah. Like it was a really subtle mm-hmm. thing, but I really liked that.
1: Yeah. And then her face is so expressive too. Like when she first walks into their home and you see the look on her face, she, you know exactly <laughs> what she's thinking. She's like, the disappointment. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Yeah, really, really great. I mean, I think you could – I could see anyone from this cast getting a nomination, like an Academy nomination, and it would be totally warranted.
0: Yeah, the acting is spot on, dude. Yeah, really,
1: really
2: good.
0: I got to ask you, though, like that situation that they walked into with a bunch of land. Yeah. You know, in that that trailer house, to me that seemed like pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, like as right. someone like me, it's like who cares about having friends and shit? You got all <laughs> that land and all that outdoors to have a blast in. Yeah. That's But I guess it's different when you're a wife with yeah. kids and shit. I think it's yeah, it's a
1: bit different if you have like kids especially. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, interesting after discussing um Nomadland for sure. Uh well yeah, any last uh shout outs you wanted to give or comments on any of these? I mean, we hit
0: pretty much everybody that's mainly in the movie. I think everyone else in there is like, you know, they have like two lines. Yeah, for sure. And they're just in one scene. So, yeah, pretty
1: much. I mean, I think everyone gave a a really strong performance. But, yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, the artistry of the film, the cinematography, look, everything. I thought this film in classic A24 fashion looked beautiful. A24 doesn't make a poorly produced movie. (laughs) yeah. I loved one of the things I loved about this film was how warm the colors were. Like it, mm. it's a very warm palette, and I loved any time the camera was placed outside, like on the farm or just grazing the landscape, giving you different views. It was just really, really beautiful cinematography.
0: Really nice mixture of of landscape and then like some shaky cam. Yeah, and uh, I I really liked the opening when they're driving there, when they pull up in the driveway and stuff. Yeah. That was, like, I thought a really nice mixture of the shaky cam inside the car on the kids, you know, and then looking out the windshield as she's pulling up and the house is on the wheels and shit. Yeah. <laughs> it was really pretty, and I think it was really clever in the palette, like you talk about, like, how warm and how kind of, like, land of endless opportunity Yeah, it's presented as. I could see why you would think it
1: was a horror movie though cuz you thought they were trying to throw a wrench at you with like the way they had Midsummer. Yeah. And
2: <laughs> even yeah, like Parasite
1: but... I would say. Yeah. Parasite it had all this like beautiful imagery you you're thinking you're watching this like story about this family and <laughs> it all goes to hell.
0: But it is interesting in that it is so warm but it's not a good story. No. Even like the little bits that you get in the movie of people kind of knowing the land that Jacob bought and like, yeah. Oh, that lands a death trap. The last guy that lived there blew his head off. Yeah. So it really kind of, I thought it was because it, it never really had like a dark feel, even though the story's generally kind of dark the whole time.
1: Yeah. I, it's definitely like realistic, I would say. Yeah. Some with some, for someone in this position, it's a very realistic story. I think. But yeah, it's uh, it could get pretty heavy at times. I think it's, uh, (laughs) I had a hard time at certain moments.
0: Was there anything shot wise that really stuck out to you? I really liked the. I I don't want to say much, but I really liked the kind of climax of the movie. Yeah, on what it was because they obviously did did that Mm -hmm. with to that barn. Yeah, and I won't say anymore, (laughs) you know. But like, I really liked that shot.
1: Yeah, for me, um, my favorite sequences were, um, especially the one where you have uh, David and his grandma, and they're walking through the land, and then they find the creek where mm. she plants the Minari, but uh, that whole sequence, I loved how it was shot, because it's very much uh, like you get the traditional right-to-left kind of screen direction, and then the camera like organically moves and follows, and it's almost like you're there just walking behind them. Yeah. So I I loved the look of that. So those were some of my favorite sequences. And then I loved a lot of the really beautiful close-up shots where you just have them framed and they're like looking off screen. There's something powerful about getting into the head of a character by shooting them that way without needing any words. Mm. And I talked a little bit about that during Nomadland, and you get that here too. It
0: looked really, really nice. They make wicked movies from just a visual standpoint.
1: Yeah. I feel like every one of the directors they have are like, these people that went to film school and like know how to fucking shoot. and <laughs> I don't know. They're not just like, you want to make a movie? Come make one for us. You seem to have to know, definitely like have a vision at least. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about that real quick before we move on as an a 24 film. Does this live up to that? Having that in front of the film, the a 24
0: visually? Yes. Okay. It, you can tell it's one of their movies. They all have this same kind of like, style of filming yeah that's a really nice mixture of a whole bunch of things yeah and they i love that they shot so much of this obviously on this little plot of land yeah for sure which i liked
1: yeah i think so too i think it uh it definitely lives up to the a24 quality
0: storyline completely different than every (laughs) everything else a24 that that we've done or that I've under, seen, I guess.
1: Were you under the impression that A twenty four was kind of like a like a thriller slash horror banner? Yeah,
0: I thought that's all they did, man.
1: Oh, okay, okay, no, <laughs> not at all.
0: One of the beauties of having no knowledge of an industry where you're reviewing the work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, not at all. They, yeah, uh... the whole time I was like, "Fuck, when's this gonna get wacky? You know, <laughs> when is this gonna oh, get man. weird? Okay. You know?
1: Yeah." Yeah, that could definitely uh, change your experience, I think, a little bit. <laughs> You're like, I don't see any blood. Well, you do see a little bit of blood. Uh, but yeah, no, they're, they're definitely more of a, like, I guess they're more of an indie label, but they're very much into this, like, they produce less films at really high quality. I guess that, that's what they're all about.
2: Mm.
0: And the Did Green you see Knights Brad Pitt was an executive producer on this? Yeah, I saw that I too. saw his name when the credits rolled. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah, that was interesting. I don't know why or what his involvement was, but you can give anyone a producer credit if you're just oh, yeah yeah, it's nuts
0: you' just he like, was oh. like second on the list when the credit I think he was the first one it it might have been yeah yeah, crazy, but yeah, I don't know, I
1: don't know, so yeah let's move into uh the score of this film, and I guess well, there's two i think two ways to describe the score for me. I thought it was like super operatic at
0: times. Mm.
1: <laughs> There's not a lot of it, and it sounded like an A24 score, if that makes any sense.
0: I don't know if the score stood out that much to me. Like I can't remember points where I was like, oh, this is too much. Yeah. I can't really remember that much of it. And I just watched this thing like less than 12 hours ago (laughs) last night. Okay. But what I do remember is the sound effects, in particular his heart murmur.
1: Oh, okay.
0: And how frequently it comes in and out of the movie. Yeah. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, in the beginning, she's listening to his heart murmur. Right. And he wants to listen to it, and you get you get the sound of it. Yeah. And then, basically, like, every other time in the movie when David had a, a bit of a emotional uptick or, like, a pace uptick, yeah. his heart murmur would come into the sound of the movie, which I thought was pretty cool. Right. And that's kind of like a whole other issue of the movie that we didn't even talk about. Okay. With his health, right? Yeah. And it's not like a main driver of the movie. It's just present as one more of the struggles within their entire family struggle.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like a strain. Yeah. You get the sense of that.
0: But I don't know. Do you remember a lot of the score? How long ago did you watch this?
1: About like a day ago. Oh, okay. And so what I noticed was that there'd be massive gaps of time where you had no score. And then it would come in and just flood. Like Mm. it would be massively in your face present. And there's a film called The Witch. That's another A24 film. I could totally see why you thought A24 was like a horror house. (laughs) Um, So yeah, The Witch, which is probably my favorite A24 film. That is a gorgeous film. There'd be times where you'd have complete silence and then just this massive swell of music in a scene. Mm. And then it would go away. And I thought that you got that at, at a bunch of different moments in this film. And so that's why I guess to me it was like, "quote unquote" a twenty four type score. Like, okay, it has a lot of those uh, characteristics where it would just be gone and then be in your face in different moments. I thought maybe it maybe I
0: didn't notice because I was pretty drunk watching this movie last <laughs> night, and maybe I'm just not as perceptive when I'm drunk.
1: Maybe, maybe <laughs> it's a possibility. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the score was fine. I thought I thought it really matched what was going on. Uh, screen for sure but yeah so let's uh start to wrap things up a bit here and uh talk about some of our love hates even though most of the show is kind of a breakdown of our love hates but let's kind of wrap it up so let's start with you
0: so what i loved about the movie is highlighting the the big lie of the american dream (laughs) you know that's like a big theme and that's kind of how i've directed my whole life away from it's like whatever the American dream tells you to do, do the opposite <laughs> in life and you will have a much better time of it. So like I really appreciate how they highlighted that and particularly the whole immigrant side of it. yeah, I thought it was a really good realistic look at that that story that has been told a whole bunch of times in a bunch of different ways. But in that same note, what I disliked about the movie was how hard of a friggin' slog it was to get through. You know, like I had a little bit harder of a time because I expect I was expecting some wacky A twenty four stuff to happen. So that kind of maybe colored my opinion of the movie a lot more. But it was it was a tough tough to get through. I stopped a, a number of times to just see how much was left, and I know. Yeah. Whenever I do that, I'm not enjoying the
1: film very much. <laughs> oh man. So it's not just you. I don't think it's it's just you because I felt very very similar. Although if I was expecting something, you know, if I was expecting a horror film and I sat through that whole movie, I would be pretty upset. Just <laughs> I saying. mean, I wasn't
0: upset. I was just like, <laughs> "Fuck, when's this going to be over? I want to go to
1: bed." Yeah. So, I commend you for sticking through it. <laughs> Great job. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like you, I think it was a, (laughs) it's not the most entertaining film for me personally. So (laughs) in that sense, it was also a slog for me, but I do really appreciate this story and I appreciate the way it was executed and I appreciated the way it was presented as a visual medium. I thought it was really beautiful, really well-produced and well-acted. And I think there's a lot of truth to this movie, like a lot of truth in the performances and the story of this immigrant family, I think the fact that it's, uh, you can tell that it's autobiographical because a lot of this seems really real world and seems like it was a very personable or personal story for Lee Isaac Chung to tell. And so I'm, my hat's off to him for deciding to want to wanna tell that. But yeah, I thought I, it was well executed and overall, I think it deserves a lot of the praise it, it's receiving. But yeah, in terms of like my enjoyment of the film, it wasn't the most entertaining for me, per se. <laughs> so yeah, let's slap our uh, our scores on this, this thing. I guess I'll start. I'll start okay. with, with the score. So I like the story, so it's going to get a point for story. The characters and acting, I think that's where this movie is. So that gets a full point for me. Cinematography, it's beautiful. It gets a, a point there for me. And the score I thought was effective, for sure. I didn't so much enjoy the story in terms of pure entertainment. So I'm going to knock it down a bit right there. So half a point because it wasn't the easiest film to get through. And then I'm going to have to knock it down another point because I just don't see myself going back to watch this film. Okay. So it's going to get four buckets of popcorn out of me out of five.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. So the story, I'm going to give a half to. Okay. Because I did... Kind of like it and the messaging that they're trying to get across with the story. Yeah. But it wasn't very entertaining. So I'm going to give it a half. Okay. I'll give it a full on the characters and the acting and all that. Full on the cinematography for sure. I'm going to give a half on the score because I don't really remember much. But what I do remember about the soundtrack stuff, I really liked. Okay. So what's that? One, two, half. So I'm at three. Yeah. And I'm going to give it a half for the feels. Okay. Because I can appreciate it and I can appreciate the story, but I didn't enjoy it very much. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to come in at three and a half bong loads.
1: Gotcha. All right. So four and a three and a half. And again, with we've come off a, a little bit of a run there where we were handing out fives. So this is an interesting question to ask. Would you recommend this film?
0: Mm, not for 20 bucks. Okay. <laughs> no. All right, maybe once it's on one of the streaming services, yeah, you can give it a watch, but not for twenty bucks.
1: Gotcha. Okay. What I will say <laughs> is, if you're a general moviegoer, if you go to the film, to the movies, if you watch movies for entertainment, then this no, probably sure. isn't the film for you.
0: <laughs> if you're a appreciator of the the you know yeah. artistry and all
1: that, right? If you want to see how to direct a film. And if you're into the nuts and bolts of that stuff and watching art and beautiful art, I'd say this film is right up your alley for sure.
0: It's a good like film students movie, right? For sure.
1: I think there's a lot of great technique in this movie that you could you could teach to people. So yeah. Like the director really knew what he was doing, for sure. (laughs) So yeah, that's all I got, man. You got anything else? Any closing comments?
0: I want The Green Knight to come out, A24. We are going to do that movie whenever you it's You teased released. us with it right before the pandemic, and then yeah. it's just been whisked off into nothingness. I When's it coming, damn it? I
1: don't it. even know what that movie's about.
0: It's Sir Gawain and The Green Knight. Is it? Yeah, the old, uh, what is it, like an Anglo-Saxon story or English story or something? Oh, shit. I don't okay. know. All right. I remember reading it in, in high school. And then I remember watching some like awful '80s movie of it. <laughs> yeah, I never read that story. Okay,
1: cool. Now I'm even more interested. So it's yeah, like we'll, one of one of King Arthur's spinoffs. It's a legend story like that. Spin off yeah. of that whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So yeah, let's. Uh, we'll get more A24 films under our belt, so you can see that they do a little bit more than the horror, but they do the horror really well. That's for sure. Yeah,
0: and I love the horror. <laughs> Yeah. And we got to get away. We've been on this stint of Oscar movies that are all kind of downers. <laughs> so, like, let's do something fun next week. I think we got King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, coming out. I've had about enough of these heavy <laughs> fucking award-winning movies. All right, yeah. <laughs> so we'll be
1: doing a Kong versus Godzilla next week, <laughs> and that's supposed to be releasing Friday on HBO Max. So we'll do that Wednesday, Monday. I think. Wednesday? Okay. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, we'll we'll get that one out and uh take a little bit of a change of direction.
0: A breath. Yeah, for and sure. And a chuckle. <laughs> Enough of this heavy shit making you feel sad.
1: Yeah, well let's uh let's take the weight off and uh <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week. But uh yeah, so that's what we got. That was episode sixty four of the Buff and the Blazer. And we broke down a bit of Minari, uh by Lee Isaac Chung and We will catch you guys next week. Hope everyone has a great week, and stay safe out there, people. See ya.